بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا We continue the explanation of عمدة الأحكام and we have reached حديث 69 عن النعمان بن بشير رضي الله عنهما قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول لتسون صفوفكم أو لا يخالفن الله بين وجوهكم ولمسلم كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يسوي صفوفنا حتى كأنما يسوي بها القداح حتى إذا رأى أن قد عقلنا عنه ثم خرج يوما فقال فقام حتى إذا كاد أن يكبر رأى رجلا باديا صدره فقال عباد الله the narrator, uh, Sayyid Bukhari, Nu'man bin Bashir, the narrator, and the report from Sayyid Bukhari, he said, I heard the Prophet say, straighten your rows or Allah will alter your faces. And uh, in Sahih Muslim, uh, the Messenger ﷺ used to straighten our rows as if he were straightening an arrow with their help until he saw that we had learned it from him. One day he came out, stood up for prayer and was about to say, Allah is the greater, Allahu Akbar. When he saw a man whose chest was bulging out from the row, so he said, Slaves of Allah, you must straighten your rows or Allah would create dissension amongst you. And Nu'man bin Bashir, the narrator, and Nu'man bin Bashir bin Sa'd al-Ansari al-Khazraji, it is said that he was the first born from the Ansar following the arrival of the Prophet wasallam to Medina. And he took charge of the qada in Damascus, meaning uh, as a judge. And Muawiyah radiallahu anhu used him on Al-Kufa as a representative and ruler and also on Homs, which is in Syria. He was an honorable and generous Sahabi, radiallahu anhu, and he was also a speaker and a poet. He was killed in a, in, in a village from the uh, villages of the city around the city of Homs in the year 65 after Hijrah. What is therefore the subject matter of the hadith? The subject matter is making known the punishment of those upon those who don't align or straighten 
the lines. So the Messenger وسلم, in the first hadith say, straighten your lines or your rows. And then he mentioned the warning and the threat. Or Allah will alter your faces. So this could mean alteration in direction. And thus they will, it will cause dissension. And in the narration by Abi Dawood, or Allah will make your hearts differ. So the first thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may cause dissension to appear upon your faces and therefore you will differ. And in the narration by Abi Dawood, may cause conflict between your hearts. And also this will in, end up in dissension. Or it's possible in the terms of the alteration of the faces that Allah may change physically the face of the individual, its appearance, its characteristics. The second uh, thing from this hadith we learned that the Prophet ﷺ used to straighten the rose by himself. And in the hadith of Muslim, he gave the example. حَتَّى كَأَنَّمَا يُسَوِّ بِهَا الْقِدَاحِ As if he were straightening an arrow. No. So therefore the overall explanation of this hadith is that An-Nu'man bin Bashir رضي الله عنهما tells that the Prophet ﷺ used to carry on by himself the lining of the rose with such high precision as if he were straightening an arrow. And then after when the companions learned that and understood and they applied it perfectly, he left that. Then, on one day he came out to pray, to lead them in the prayers. And when he stood in his position of prayers, والسلام, he saw a man pulling out from the row with his chest. So he called upon them and said, Ya Allah, O slaves of Allah, he addressed them with Ubudiyya or by Ubudiyya, slavery to Allah which entails submission and compliance. And he warned them, alayhi salatu wasalam, an asserted threat, asserted by three things in the Arabic language. La tusawunna, the lam in la, la tusawunna, this is known as the Lamb of Al-Qasam, the Lamb of Oath. And the estimate is, Wallahi latusawunna, by Allah, you straighten your rows. That the threat is, 
Allah may cause their hearts to differ and also dissent amongst themselves. And this will lead to the corruption of the society. <coughs> that is because al-jaza' min jins al-amal reward are but upon actions. The benefits of this hadith. First, the obligation to straighten the rows in salah. That is because the Prophet ﷺ set a threat on the abandonment of this and there is no threat set for something abandoned except that it is an obligation, an obligation to do. Second, the straightening of the rows is the responsibility of everyone, but in origin it falls upon the responsibility of the Imam. He is the first addressed, the Imam. The second or the third benefit is that it tells of the keenness of the Prophet ﷺ to have the rows and the lines straight, straightened so precisely to the extent that he used to handle this himself directly and would align their shoulders as if he was was straightening an arrow and the fourth benefit it is it is from the sunnah it is from the sunnah that the responsibility of the Imam or from the responsibilities of the Imam is to watch the lines and to straighten them. It is as if he is the leader of the troops. From this also it shows it shows us nowadays the foolishness of those who complain and feel unease when the Imam, when they see the Imam straightening the rows. From the benefits also from this hadith is that the straightening should be perfect. And that the Imam should not start the Salah does not make the takbir for the commencement of the salah until he sees that the rows are straightened. Now, where is this taken from? Let me ask you. This benefit, where it is taken from, from the hadith? Okay, yes, that when he stood up for prayer and was about to say Allahu Akbar when he saw a man whose chest was bulging out. That's right. And from this we learn that yes, and from this we learn that uh, the lining and the straightening takes place in the upper part of the body and in the lower part. As to the upper part, it is evident from uh, the hadith whose chest was bulging out. 
Also from this hadith we learn that Al-Jaza'u min jins al-amal Rewards are But upon actions And when there is no straightening of the lines Then this leads to dissent And difference amongst the hearts And if they are aligned This will lead to harmony And unity also, we know that this is from the Sunnah of the rightly guided caliphs, as the report of Umar ibn Khattab in Muatta' Malik, Umar used to command the straightening of the rows. And he would wait until they come and tell him that the lines are straightened. He would then make the takbir. Also, in the Muwatta of Malik, rahimahullah, he also related that this was the practice of Uthman bin Affan, the third righted, rightly guided, the third rightly guided Khalifa, leader of the believers. May Allah be pleased with all of them. From this also we learn another benefit, the permissibility of the Imam speaking uh, in the period between uh, the Iqamah and the commencement of the Salah. These are some of the benefits of this hadith. And then we move to the next hadith, inshallah, the hadith of Anas bin Malik. حديث نمبر 70 عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه أن جدته مليكة دعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لطعام صنعته له فأكل منه ثم قال قوموا فلا أصلي لكم قال أنس فقمت إلى حصير لنا قد اسود من طول ما لبس فنضحته بماء فقام عليه الصلاة والسلام وصففت أنا واليتيم وراءه والعجوز من ورائنا فصل لنا ركعتين ثم انصرف ولمسلم أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى به وبأمه قال فأقامني عن يمينه وأقام المرأة خلفنا لنريتر إز أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه he said I stood up or yes أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه that his grandmother Mulaika Mulaika Invited the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to a dinner Which she had prepared He the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ate out of that And then said Qumu fali usalli lakum Stand up so that I should observe prayer Observe prayer Anas bin Malik said I stood up on a mat belonging to us, which had turned dark on account of its long use. I sprinkled water over it in order to soften it, and the Messenger وسلم, stood up, stood upon it, and I and an orphan, <coughs> he and an orphan, <coughs> formed a row behind him, وسلم, and the old woman was behind us. 
and the Messenger وسلم, led us in two rak'ah of prayer and then went back. And in the Muslim report, the Messenger وسلم, led him, his mother or his aunt, in prayer. He made me stand on his right side and made the woman stand behind us. We have to mention here that this the saying by the author here, Wali Muslim and by Muslim, then the report we just read uh, may indicate that the hadith is one hadith, but it is not. There are two narrations, each one is independent story. Why did the Mu'allif then, uh, the author, put them together? He puts put them together in order to clarify the position of the single Ma'mum with his Imam, the Ma'mum, the one who is led in the prayers, with his Imam, the man who leads him in prayer. Let's go for the first narration then, the Anas bin Malik, that his grandmother, Mulaika. Mulaika is the grandmother of Anas, from his mother's side. Now, Mulaika is the daughter of Malik, the daughter of Malik bin Uday al-Ansari, Al-Najari. She invited the Messenger وسلم, and prepared food. And then he said, he ate and then said, It means here either that stand up to that I pray, meaning teach you how to pray, or to have blessing for you in order to bless you in your house. <coughs> and then this was. Anas described the mat uh, made from date parts and that it was used for a long time and it turned dark and so he sprinkled water on it there either to clean it or to soften it so the Prophet stood on it and then there was an orphan he described that there was an orphan and who is the orphan? Uh, his name is Damira bin Abi Damira al Humayri. He was a freed slave for the Prophet. And the Yatim, the orphan, is the one whose father died before the child reached the age of puberty. He is known as Yatim. This is the Yatim. This is the Orphan, the one whose father father died before reaching the age of puberty. This is known in Arabic as al yatim. And there is another thing, and that is called al-latim, the one whose mother died before the age of puberty. This is known as latim. So Yatim is the one whose father died before his age of puberty and Latim is the one who died his mother died 
before reaching the age of puberty. And Al-Ajuz, the old lady, referring to Mulaika, referring to Mulaika. So he prayed, uh, leading Anas bin Malik and his mother, Um Anas, and she is Um Sulaim. Remember, that's Um Anas. She is Um Sulaim, and we gave her biography. Nah, Latin, Latin. That's right. That's the that's the correct spelling. Yes. The overall explanation of this. Anas bin Malik anhu reports that his grandmother Mulaika, Um Mulaika bint Malik, prepared food for the Prophet and then invited him. And he وسلم, had the noble character, kind, and so he responded to her call or invitation. And he ate from her food. Then he wanted to reward her for that. And so he commanded them to stand to pray with him. So that they learn from him. And also it will be a blessing. Due to his prayers in their house. So Anas went to a mat, an old one. Which became dark because of the long usage. And then he softened it and cleaned it by sprinkling uh, water on it. Then presented it to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam to pray on it. So he alayhi salatu wasallam stood up, and behind him, Anas and an orphan formed a row behind him, and then his grandmother Mulaika stood also behind them in this row, behind this row. And Anas bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu also prayed another time and the Prophet ﷺ, in another incident, the Prophet ﷺ led him and his mother, Um Sulaim. And so he put Anas to his right and his mother behind them. Do you understand now the situations? you understand the situations? The benefits of this hadith. The noble and good character of the Prophet والسلام, and his humbleness and his kindness in responding to the invitation. And the kindness of the Prophet والسلام, is the norm And in the situations where there certain situations where there were some harshness, that harshness was justified. So this is the status of the Prophet ﷺ, his manners and his etiquettes and his interactions. 
are based upon kindness and this is the norm. The exception is the harshness and it is in justified ways. And we should benefit from this, all of us, so that we don't make the harshness the norm and the kindness the exception. And we consider this to be from the deen. And if you are not on me or with me on this, then you are against me. This is incorrect. And it is harmful to the individual as well as to the Muslims whom this individual intends to invite them. The acceptance of the invitation has benefits. And the person should accept the invitation whether it is from a humble person or an honorable man of a status. Why? Because this is in compliance to the command of the Prophet ﷺ when he said the right of the Muslim upon the Muslim is that if he invites him, he accepts and responds to the invitation. Secondly, in this there is in this there is a following of the Prophet ﷺ. And also in this, in the acceptance of the invitation, there is the comforting the inviter. It has a good effect on him. It comforts him when he is responded or when, he, when the invited accepts his invitation. In this there is also closeness and nearness to people, especially if the invited person is from the people of knowledge. The second benefit, the legality of rewarding the one who does good in that which is suitable. And this is taken from the saying of the Prophet ﷺ in this hadith, قوموا فلأصلي لكم Stand up so that I pray, or teach you to pray, or as a blessing to you. This is rewarding. And also the Prophet ﷺ said, من صنع لكم the one who does something good to you, then reward him in return. The next benefit is the permissibility to pray on mats. The fourth benefit is the permissibility to have congregational prayer, nafil, congregational prayer, if there is a benefit. pray nafil in congregation if there is a maslaha, a benefit. The fifth benefit is that the single ma'moom, the single individual 
led in salah is to pray to the right of the imam and there is more than one they pray both or more behind the imam the next benefit the permissibility of the adult to stand in a row with the child and this does not disconnect the line as long as the child's prayer is uh, correct meaning from those who have discretion and distinction the seventh benefit or the next benefit the woman does not stand in the same row with men but she stands behind them and this is taken from I and the orphan form the row behind him and the old woman was behind us the this holds even if the woman is praying with mahrams of hair the next benefit in this there is evidence that Islam took care of the matter of prohibiting the mixing between men and women the next benefit now the next benefit the good manner of Anas the good manner of Anas how this is taken from the hadith how this is taken from the hadith Yes, because he went and got the mat and uh, prepared the mat, cleaned it, and uh, yes, and presented it to the Prophet Also, in this, there is the benefit of honoring the guest. How this is taken from the Hadith? Serve the meal. Yes the dinner preparation also serving the mat to sit on it or cleaning it and preparing it this is from honoring the guest yes the next benefit in this there is a refutation of the rafidah in this hadith there is a refutation of the Rafidah, of the rejectionist Shia. Uh, in what sense can you tell? And the praying on the mat. Yes, because the rejectionist Shia, they say it is not permissible except that to pray on earth. On the, on the, yes. And this is a refutation to them. We mentioned earlier the benefit that the ma'moom uh, 
the single ma'mum stays to the right of the imam and it's not permissible for it's not permissible for the imam uh, to step ahead of a single step ahead to a single ma'mum and those who said that this is uh, permissible so that the imam can be distinguished from the ma'mum this is weak opinion that's because the imam and the ma'mum you know them and, sen- and since also we don't have a text to support their view now the next benefit it is permissible to describe someone according to their uh, status or, or their reality as long as they don't get affected negatively how this is taken from the hadith old woman al-ajuz the old woman that's right al-ajuz طيب in this hadith there could be an indication an indication for the permissibility of the validity of the salah of a single person behind the row where this inclination is where where is the inclination where is this indication in the hadith the old woman stood by herself the woman was alone or the woman was alone that's because if her salah is valid and she is praying alone is that clear the final hadith under this chapter is the hadith of Abdullah bin Abbas hadith 71 عن عبد الله بن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال بت عند خالتي ميمونة فقام النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي من الليل فقمت عن يساره فأخذ برأسي فأقامني عن يمينه عبد الله بن عباس رضي الله تعالى عنهما mentioned that once I passed the night in the house of my aunt ميمونة and the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم stood for the night prayer and I joined him and stood on his left side but he drew me to his right by holding me by the head the narrator is Abdullah bin Abbas and a biography of Abdullah bin Abbas was given in hadith, uh, in hadith 16 preceded The subject matter of the hadith is the standing position of the single ma'mum. The standing position of the single ma'mum. Maymuna is Maymuna bint al-Harith. 
and a biography of hers was presented in Hadith 30. The overall explanation, Ibn Abbas was keen to acquire knowledge and he would go for the places of knowledge wherever they were. So he took the opportunity of this night where he was spending this night at his uh, aunt Maimuna and he knew that in, on this night the Prophet ﷺ would be there. And Maimuna was the Prophet ﷺ's wife. And so therefore he tells about himself now that he spent the night or passed the night so that he can attend the Salah of the Prophet ﷺ, witness it. So when he alayhi salatu wasalam stood up in salah, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma took to his left side. And since the right side is the preferable and more meritorious, uh, the Prophet alayhi wasalam took by his head and drew him to his right. Now, Clear now the overall explanation of the hadith, inshallah. The benefits of this hadith. The keenness of Abdullah bin Abbas to learn the fiqh in the deen, the understanding of the deen. And he acquired that as he described by a tongue asking questions and heart contemplating and effort exerted physically without laxing or like what he said radiallahu ta'ala anhu from this also we learn the benefit that the permissibility for a man to spend the night at the house of husband of, of, of his relative. If, however, there is no harm or hardship. The third benefit that the position of the ma'mum, the single ma'mum, is to the right of the imam. Fourth benefit, the permissibility to join while to join the prayer with a, uh, with uh, the prayer performed by a single individual in order to attain the congregation to make it a congregation. The next benefit, the permissibility to move in salah for a benefit. related to the Salah itself or to its congregation. Where is this taken from the Hadith? Where is this taken from the Hadith? Moving Ibn Abbas, moving Ibn Abbas to the right 
of the Prophet Sallallahu so was a movement for the benefit of the Salah طيب. the permissibility to perform the Jama'ah prayer in voluntary prayers if there is a benefit if there is a benefit and this is not to be taken as regular but sometimes is that clear the next benefit the next benefit the legality to perform the night prayer the legality of performing the night prayer from this we know also that the standing to the left of the imam in salah is not haram is not haram how this is deduced remember we're saying it is not haram how this is deduced had it been unlawful yes then he would have the prayer broken and then started again and the prophet ﷺ would tell him to repeat, to redo the prayers so therefore there was no prohibition so the salah is valid but it is not in accordance with the sunnah you understand it is not in accordance with the sunnah but it is valid but it is valid now some said well the prophet ﷺ moved him he drew him from the left to the right side we say yes this is a mere action fi'l mere action fi'lun mujarrad and it does not indicate obligation had it been something nullifying the Prophet ﷺ would have made it clear now we learned earlier the permissibility to enter with the Imam during the Salah because Ibn Abbas joined the Prophet ﷺ during the Salah and from this we learn another benefit that it is not conditional to have intention for imama upon the start of the salah even if the salah is fard you understand it's not obligation to have intention for imama upon the start of the salah even if it is fard So from this we learn also still another benefit that it is permissible to join the Salah and then to change from single state to Ma'mum state. And these changes may take the following forms. The one we just described, change from singular to ma'mum. Let's write them down. Change from singular to ma'mum.
The second, change from ma'moom to imama. From ma'moom to imama. Like, if for example the imam, something occurs to the imam and then, due to an excuse, he assigns someone from the ma'moomin, right? So the ma'moom now changes from ma'moom to imama, right? The third changes from ma'moom to singular. Fourth, change from imam to ma'moom. Right, for example, when the regular imam comes uh, being late, and takes the imam. And the fifth one is changing from imam to singular. Someone you pray with, and then he leaves you due to an excuse, and you stay alone, singular. Right? These are the uh, changes in between these different states. We say the term Imam and Imama. Imama, the term Imam or Imama, could be an Imama of prophethood. Like the case of Ibrahim, alayhi salam, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described him in Surah An-Nahl chapter 16 verse 120 Inna Ibrahim kana ummatan qanitan lillah Inna Ibrahim kana ummatan qanitan lillah or a nation obedient to Allah. And this is the prophethood. The second, imama of inheritance. Inheritance. And this is the imama of knowledge. Inheriting knowledge. As in Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 73. قال الله تعالى وجعلناهم أئمة يهدون بأمرنا لما صبروا and we made them leaders guiding mankind by our knowledge by our command this is the إمامة of علم the inherited knowledge then there is imama of worship and this is the imama of salah leading the salah imama of worship pertaining to worship this is the imama in salah the fourth is the imama of benefit imama of benefit maslaha 
and this is the rulership rulership or khilafa since we're talking about the imam in salah there are certain obligations upon the imam in salah and this is very important for those who lead the people in salah in the masajid first of all al-ikhlas the imam should be mukhlisan lillah sincere to Allah he shouldn't take the imama as a means to attain worldly gains but rather take the imama to give da'wah advice guidance to people Secondly, he should be knowledgeable concerning the rulings of Salah in general and the rulings of Imama in Salah in particular. Thirdly, he should give consideration to the Sunnah in his Salah as much as he is able because he is entrusted. So therefore he should do that which is more beneficial. And the more beneficial is in following the sunnah. Fourthly, he should be keen at straightening the lines, verbally and in action. And he should not feel annoyed and don't despair from the manners or actions of some foolish who don't take by the seriousness of the matter of lining the rows or straightening the rows the rows the fifth he should check on the jama'ah on his congregation asking who did not attend is he on travel or checking their attendance because he is entrusted responsible upon them admonish them and incites them to attend. Sixthly, he should be a good a good example for those who pray behind him in his manners, in his dealings, in his movements, in his stillness, in his speech, in his dress, because he is like a teacher to them. And teaching by example or by action is more profound than teaching by saying. Seventh, he should be regular and precise regarding his times for the iqama of salah. So he brings into agreement with his congregation 
the time for the prayers, the commencements of the prayers, so that none of them miss the salah, also so that it doesn't, there is no hardship upon any one of them. He should be keen about abiding to his role as an imam and should not be late unless there is a legal excuse because his establishment of the imama is a manifestation of an obligated matter. And also this leads that leads to the harmony amongst the jama'ah, the congregation, and they would love him. And the ninth thing is he should revive the a place with knowledge, classes of ilm, if he is able. Otherwise, he should invite the trustworthy and reliable from the people of ilm. And if he is unable, then he may read to them from the books like Riyadh al-Salihin, Imam al-Nawawi and from the books of Ibn Kathir in Tafsir the useful books that are known and trusted and tenth matter is he should take care of the masjid in terms of its cleanness and preparedness for the musalleen in the congregation. These ten matters concerning the imama constitute the beginning or the opening statements for the new chapter that will come, inshallah ta'ala, after finishing, after we just finished the, after finishing the rose and the lining of the rose, this is the second subject. The chapter is Babul Imama, chapter of Imama. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the all able, the most high, to make in these words a benefit for myself and for all of you, and to make us from those who comply as to that which pleases Allah the most high. والحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أستغفر الله العظيم وأتوب